Make America great again. Who doesn't want to live in a great nation? Who doesn't want to be economically prosperous? Who doesn't want to live free? But is politics our answer? Is a president our answer? What if the answer is us? Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in the Wilkes-Barre and the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as the disciple of Christ, stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK 1550 a.m. and 94.7 f.m. If you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube at 9 a.m. every Sunday where these will be uploaded. There's previous ones on there. You're going to find other content also on there as well. Uh, You can find us at godsresistance.com. That's our central hub. And on Facebook, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube at God's Resistance, spelt G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications if you go to any of those so that you can be updated for any new content. And uh, you're going to find that there's maybe some other people going along in their journey there as well that you can connect with and help you to be a disciple of Christ. Um we are every Sunday morning, weather permitting, in the Wilkes-Barre Square. Uh, we are having we preach out there. We are having a church service right out in the open air. We'd love to see you come there. And if you want to contact us, then uh, you can do so at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. Well, we are going to be dealing with an issue here that I had just been reading in the uh, book of Ezekiel, and it was talking about the Babylonian captivity, uh, at least the the start of it happening, and and here um, Ezekiel was trying to warn people about something that was to come, because God, he loved his people Israel, he had a special plan and purpose for them, but they had turned their back on God. And lots and lots of trouble had come their way. And it dawned on me, there is so much similarity between what we read here uh, concerning Israel and concerning their bondage and their captivity and the judgment of God on it and uh, America, very much the same. So I'd like to read from Ezekiel chapter 24, the first 14 verses, and uh, we'll just go from there. In the ninth year, in the 10th month, on the 10th day of the month, The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, write down the name of this day, this very day. The king of Babylon has laid siege to Jerusalem this very day and utter a parable to the rebellious house and say to them, thus says the Lord God, set on the pot, set it on, pour in water also, put in it the pieces of meat, all the good pieces, the thigh and the shoulder, fill it with choice bones. Take the choicest one of the flock, pile the logs under it, boil it well, seethe also its bones in it. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, woe to the bloody city, to the pot whose corrosion is in it and whose corrosion has not gone out of it. Take out of it piece after piece without making any choice for the blood she has shed is in her midst. She put it on the bare rock. She did not pour it out on the ground to cover it with dust. To rouse my wrath, to take vengeance, I have set on the bare rock the blood she has shed that it may not be covered. 
Therefore, thus says the Lord God, woe to the bloody city. I also will make the pile great. Heap on the logs, kindle the fire, boil the meat well, mix in the spices and let the, the bones be burned up. Then set it empty upon the coals that it may become hot and its copper may burn that its uncleanness may be melted in it, its corrosion consumed. She has wearied herself with toil. Its abundant corrosion does not go out of it into the fire with its corrosion. On account of your unclean lewdness, because I would have cleansed you and you were not cleansed from your uncleanness, you shall not be cleansed anymore till I have satisfied my fury upon you. I am the Lord. I have spoken it. It shall come to pass. I will do it. I will not go back. I will not spare. I will not relent. According to your ways and your deeds, you will be judged, declares the Lord God. It's a pretty intense scripture section here. And it had a real meaning for real time with real people, but the principles still play out now. We are living, if you're listening to this, you're probably from America. We are living in, in America where throngs of people have turned their back on God. Now, I'm thankful for the thought of make America great again. Who doesn't want to live in a great country? Who doesn't want to live in a free country? Who doesn't want to live in a prosperous country? Who says, I want to live in a country that's tanking? I want to live in a poverty-stricken country where I can't get food or I can't I don't have the freedom to go out and just do simple things. Who wants to live in a country like that? I don't think anybody in their right mind would love to live in a country like that. However, we look at what's going on here with Jerusalem with the Israelites that were God's people and what happened to them and God judges sin. And he doesn't just let things continue to go on for a long time, although he did let things go on for a long time with Israel, but there came to be a point where the cup of his wrath was just full to the brim and had to be dumped out. So God is patient and long-suffering, but there does come to be a point of his judgment. And here we're looking in with Ezekiel. He was presently, at the time of this writing, in Chaldea, which was Babylon, uh, about 900 miles from Jerusalem, and God gave him this prophecy. So we'll start right in. It says, in the ninth year, in the 10th month, on the 10th day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me. And so here there's a specific day. It's, it's recorded here, and God told him to record it, but Ezekiel, he got a word from the Lord, and it was given to him two years and five months after Ezekiel chapter 20. In Ezekiel chapter 20, the elders were asked for a word from the Lord, and God essentially told the elders that he had given them warnings and words so often, and yet they were still so awfully rebellious, and God told them, do not ask me for a word anymore. I have given you a word, and you have not listened. And sometimes it appears to us that God is silent. You know, there's a lot of good people that are praying uh, over our country. We don't want to see things go in the in the way of tyranny and communism and all that. We want to see things go prosperous. We want it to be that people are free in this country. And so people are praying, people speak up, and yet it seems like God's silent. Why isn't God answering my prayers? But you know, God's silence is pregnant with significant meaning. You've heard this before as it relates to hurricanes or, or big storms. There's always the calm before the storm. So the storm that's being talked about here in this scripture section is God's judgment. It's the storm of God's coming judgment. And do we, the people of God, repent? 
in light of hearing about a coming storm? Are we going to turn from our wicked ways? Or are we just going to point at everybody else and say the problem is everywhere else? It's sad to say that God warned the people of Israel and told them to repent and they didn't repent. Is that going to be the case for us as Americans? Are we going to repent or are we just going to continue in the way that we're going right now, thinking that somehow things will just be different? You know what? The definition of insanity is that we um, continue to do the same things and expect different results. And yet that's what we're doing here in America. But you know, God still speaks to men if they'll listen. And God still speaks through men if men will listen. A lot of people say, well, that's just a man talking. I don't have to listen to him. Yes, but the Bible says it's through the foolishness of preaching that God saves people. And God speaks to certain men and then those men pass the message on to God. Does that mean we have to listen to everybody that says they're speaking for God? No, we got to check it out against the Bible. However, God still does speak through men if men are willing to listen. And our culture is so bent against God. They say the Bible is simply just written by men and then they just kind of write it off and push it off to the side. It's been said that roughly 500 prophecies have been fulfilled in a detailed manner. Those prophecies were given of men. God spoke to those men. Men wrote down those prophecies. Men spoke those prophecies. And roughly 500 of them have already been fulfilled. When will we as people learn? Oh, those were written by men. Yes, it were written by men that were moved by the Holy Ghost, that God himself had tried to give a message to them that they could pass on. But yet our hearts are so hard that we don't want to hear the message and we turn away from God. When will we, the people, learn? That was the heart of God as it related to Israel. When will they learn? How many times do I have to tell them? He sent them prophets. And they said, we don't like to hear this doom and gloom stuff. And they push it off to the side. But you know what? It's not just doom and gloom for doom and gloom's sake. It's coming judgment. And God's heart is he doesn't want this wrath and judgment to fall on people. He'd much rather give mercy, but he can't give mercy if there's no repentance. And so he says in the second verse, son of man, write down the name of this day, this very day. The king of Babylon has laid siege to Jerusalem this very day. So God wanted the record taken down specifically so that the rebellious people could know that God was faithfully trying to warn them and that what he says will come to pass. This day was of such significance, the day that Jerusalem uh, began, that the siege against Jerusalem began, that later in Zechariah 8, 19, it was observed as a fast day of memorial. So where the terrible judgment of God begins to a rebellious people here, it was beginning towards uh, Israel, or now we can just apply it across the board, where, where the terrible judgment of God begins to any rebellious people, God is trying to warn. He tries to shake. He tries to wake us up. But are we listening? Is it possible that America's day of judgment has begun? Is it possible? That's what I want you to, I'm not saying is is it definitely happening right now? I just want you to think about the possibility of it for now. The third verse, he says, and utter a parable to the rebellious house and say to them, thus says the Lord God, set on the pot, set it on, pour in water also. Sometimes a parable can be much more effective or a story can be much more effective at getting a point across in a very vivid way. I could just say, God's going to destroy America, so repent. But if we paint this picture in, a, in poetic form or in, in a story of, of what God's judgment will be like, wow, the vividness comes out. And that's exactly what Ezekiel did right here. He gave a parable. And this is to the rebellious house. Yes, these were God's people, the Israelites, but he was under no illusion 
that they had turned their backs on him and had hard hearts. And we are in a culture where the judgment of God virtually does not exist. You know, I go to church. I, I'm a Christian. God loves me all that. Yes, he does. But if we turn away from God and we're rebellious and we can, tr- we can try and fool ourselves and say that we're not rebellious, but if we're not living according to the Bible, according to this book that's been shown us, and we're continuing to live in sin and giving excuse for sins, we are daubing ourselves with the untempered mortar as the Bible speaks, saying peace, peace when there's no peace, when judgment could be coming on the entire world, when judgment can be coming to you as an individual. But we're in a culture where the judgment of God doesn't exist because we don't like to hear that. But if we're to be faithful to the Bible and faithful to God, judgment does exist. And judgment is a motivating factor to move us to repentance if that warning comes ahead of time. Judgment is remedial. When God pours out his wrath and judgment on a place, he's looking to fix a problem. Now, he's not just being vengeful because he's so angry, though that is happening that he's angry at the wickedness and rebellion, but he's looking for a remedy. He's looking for a fix. He says to put the pot on the fire and to pour some water in it. Well, what's the pot, you might ask? The next verse helps us. Uh, Put in the piece, well, the next few verses um, after I think we get to verse seven or so. The pot, really, I just want to say right now is Jerusalem. It's the city itself. And we can, we'll we'll find that out later as we look on. But the fourth verse, he says, put in it, put in the pot, the pieces of meat, all the good pieces, the high, or excuse me, the thigh and the shoulder, fill it with choice bones. So he wants pieces of meat in it. You know, and this is a parable because he's saying it includes everybody. It includes the highest class of society down to the lowest classes of society. And according to man's standard, He even put in the choice selection. So these are like the cream of the crop people. And he says, fill that pot with these people, with people of all classes, from the richest to the poorest, from the highest to the lowest. And we may have our choice selection. We think about our our America and our government and our celebrities and stuff. We have our favorite politicians and celebrities. We say they're good people. But I would ask you, are they really freed from sin? Do they really have the glory of God as their aim. Are they saved? A lot of times politicians will say, I'm saved. You know, I'm a Christian. But if you look at their life, are they living according to this book? I'm glad if they're doing good things and they're, and they're standing up for virtue and for morality and for biblical principle. I'm glad for that. But are they really Christians? That's the point you and I have to understand because God's not just going to bless a nation just simply because we try and be, have moral laws and do things, you know, in a proper manner because he knows that there's wickedness inside of the heart and that's got to get dealt with. So we have our, our choice pieces and God says, put the choice pieces in there also. All of them, put them inside of the pot. Then we move on to verse, let's see, verse five here. Take the choicest one of the flock, pile the logs under it, boil it well, seethe also its bones in it. When we were talking about this, the choicest one of the flock, And essentially, nobody is going to escape this judgment, no matter who you are, no matter what status you are. Then he says, pile the logs under this pot. He's essentially telling them, we're going to make this fire really, really hot. And it takes a lot of heat to dissolve bones. God is saying, make this fire so hot that it dissolves bones, that bones dissolve in it. We're putting the whole thing, the judgment is going to be incredibly intense. So, As we think about this as it relates to Israel, we also want to now make an application as to how this is going to relate to America or any country for that matter. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, 
the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. Picking up in verse 6, here's where I was saying he makes that very plain application as to what the pot is. He says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Woe to the bloody city! To the pot whose corrosion is in it and whose corrosion has not gone out of it. Take out of it piece after piece without making any choice. So he's speaking about a city right in the beginning and it's Jerusalem. That's the bloody city. That is the pot or the cauldron. So he says the pot itself is rusty and corroded. So there's a problem with the whole city itself. Normally, you wouldn't want to use a rusted pot to cook in. But this pot itself will spoil all that's put into it. So... Isn't this America? We've spewed our sin and filth throughout the entire world. We used to hold to virtuous, moral, and Christian values, but now we're spewing our filth all over the world. The world is trying to be like America and is far more degraded. They, the other places want to try and be like Hollywood, and Hollywood spews its filth all across America, degrading women into sex objects and men into chauvinists and, and just pigs and and just destroying family values and everything good and wholesome destroyed through Hollywood. No matter how many times this pot has been used and washed, the corrosion is still in it, according to God. He's saying this bloody city, this pot, Jerusalem, is a corroded pot. The pot itself has got problems. And then we're talking about here, after this pot boils, or excuse me, uh, after this pot boils, it is the judgment of God. There isn't going to be any choice pieces after that. Remember, we put in the different choice pieces, the, the high people of society, the low people, the rich, the poor, everyone in between. No one's left out of the judgment of God. He's saying after all this gets put inside of the pot and boiled up, there isn't going to be any choice pieces afterwards. Nobody's going to fight over what the best piece of meat is coming out of this pot. And doesn't that just break your heart as you think about this? Think of our great nation. Even with all its problems, it's still the freest nation on earth, still the most moral and upright nation on earth. And I know there's a lot of people trying to say otherwise, but it's because of our Christian heritage that it's so. Yet, in spite of that, in spite of it being the freest nation on earth, our sin is so odious in God's sight, and he will judge this land. He has had mercy and and long-suffering for such a long time, but he will judge this land eventually. And so, what's going to happen to this great nation of ours? Even with all of its problems, our sin being so odious in God's sight, he's going to judge it. There will be no boasting. There will be no choice selections after he's done. This whole nation will be affected by its unrepented, unrepented sins. So what are we going to do? We think, Oh, we're America. Well, this will happen in all these other places, you know, but it won't happen here. We, we often think that. But that's not the way God thinks about things. For in verse 7, the blood she has shed is in her midst. She put it on the bare rock. She did not pour it out on the ground to cover it with dust. Jerusalem unabashedly shed blood out in the open. There was no hiding its murder and its wickedness. 
And there used to be a time where indecency was hidden, but now think about our country. Indecency is right out in the open and it's praised. Isaiah 5.20, he says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. There's going to be a terrible judgment on the people that are in leadership in our nation who are saying that the LGBTQ lifestyle is right and there's nothing wrong with it. There is something wrong with it. It's sin in God's sight. Unless you listen to this and think that, oh, you're just bigoted, it's the same with sex before marriage. It's the same with adulterous lifestyle. It's the same with any kind of wrong or wickedness. It's all wrong and wickedness. LGBTQ is not just one simple little thing, but they're systematically shaking their fist in God's face and destroying morality. And he said, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Our country now praises indecency. And not only did this happen in Jerusalem and all Israel, but this is happening in America right now. We're not ashamed of the wickedness of our nation. We, In fact, we flaunt it. Verse 8, to rouse my wrath, to take vengeance, I have set on the bare rock the blood she has shed, that it may not be covered. So what effect does this brazen sin have on God? He says, to arouse his wrath and for him to take vengeance. God says, if you're going to do all your wickedness out in the open, then my judgment's going to be all out in the open. It's not going to be hidden. The whole world's going to know about it. So the whole world can know about the judgment that God brings on America. And right now, I do believe there is judgment coming on us. Judgment coming on us because of our sins and we're not repenting. We're, pranking, we're making the blame on everybody else but ourselves. There's not a whole world or now the whole world will know the judgment of God on America or any nation for that matter. We like to point the finger at everyone else, but what about us? What about your personal sins, listener? Have you repented of them? Oh yeah, I, I gave my life to Jesus and, and um, you know, I, I said a little prayer, but you know, I'm still kind of living this kind of life, but at least I gave my life to Jesus, so I'll make my way to heaven. No, God's not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The question is, have you repented? You can't change the next person and don't worry about them. Will you take responsibility for your wickedness in God's sight, according to his judgments and not our judgments? The ninth verse, therefore, thus says the Lord God, woe to the bloody city, that's Jerusalem. I also will make the pile great. Because of this unrepentant ongoing sin, God's judgment is very fierce. So he sees the city of Jerusalem Um excuse me, he sieges the city of Jerusalem through the Babylonians and chastises his rebellious people, the Israelites that were there in Jerusalem. And won't God use the wicked people in our nation to chastise us? If he's done it in the times past, it makes perfect sense to me that he could still do the same. God, we're told Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus Christ is God. Is he all just love? The definition of love in our day is now to make us feel good. But the definition of love in God's sight is everybody's highest good. And sometimes for everybody's highest good, judgment must take place. A cleansing has to take place. So God says, woe to the bloody city. The bloody city is a guilty city. It's a murderous city. It's a sensual city. It's a greedy city. Because your sins are piled high, God says, I will pile high the wood for the fire of my judgment. So this is an entire city and I'm applying it to America. America, we need to wake up. We need God's help. We need to, we need to pray. We need to repent of our own sins. In verse 10, heap on the logs, kindle the fire, boil the meat, 
well. Mix in the spices and let the bones be burned up. What does it mean when he says to mix in the spices? I think it's talking about this peculiar savor of God's judgment. This commentator Benson says the expression imports that the Babylonians should be as much set on destroying the city and inhabitants as hungry people are greedy of devouring meat, well-spiced and dressed. So when you make a good tasty dish, man, you just want to eat it. You don't want to leave leftovers. You're scraping the bowl clean. And that's the idea here. God says he's going to heap those logs up. He's going to kindle this fire. The meat's going to be boiled and he's going to spice it. That meat is going to be eaten all up. And that's God's judgment can get to such a place like that, dear listener. God's judgment can get to that place for here in America. Let's not think that it's impossible for it to happen. We need to wake up and realize, no, it's very possible for it to happen. It has happened in nations in times past. It's happened with God's people there in Israel. We've read about it so many times in the Bible. Why do we think that we're exempt? We're not. And we need to wake up to that fact. Verse 11. Then set it empty upon the coals. Now that we've, we've scraped the bowl clean and, and there's no meat and no broth, no bones, no nothing in it, it's empty. Set it empty upon the coals that it may become hot and its copper may burn, that its uncleanness may be melted in it, its corrosion consumed. So putting that pot empty upon the coals means utter destruction. After the inhabitants of this great city are to be judged, the city itself must be cleansed from its impurity. And he's saying, we all this hot boiling, whatever, you know, all these people, the city are judged, but this whole city in and of itself is so corrupt, it needs to be judged. It needs to be cleansed, but he's saying it won't be cleansed. It's so corrupted. I put the pot on there and let the pot get hot, trying to burn the rust and impurity and corrosion off of it, and it still won't come off. And this is just a, a poetical picture. This is how bad people can get. It's how bad nations can get. And that's how bad I believe America is. How many times does God allow certain judgments to come on our nation to shake us awake before we repent fully of our sins? But yet we kind of dip our toes back in and think, oh, it's not so bad. She's wearied herself with toil. It's abundant corrosion does not go out of it. Into the fire with its corrosion, he says. Wearying ourselves with toil, multiplying idolatries, seeking help from idols and false gods. That's what Jerusalem was doing. And it's the same with us. Horoscopes, political ideologies, all sorts of other things, but true righteousness. She's tried it for so long and it's never worked. And this is how God feels about America's feeble attempts. We've tried to put band-aids on our mortal wounds so long, but we're not dealing with the disease. We're only just dealing with the symptoms. You can't put a band-aid on a mortal wound. Something drastic has to take place. The problem is that the corrosion and rust doesn't leave the city. And the problem seems to be in America over and over again that the corrosion and rust of sin has not left our country. The only way to remove the corrosion is to put it on the fire. You and I know that when hard times come, all the chaffy stuff just falls to the side and we're then left with what matters most. And God does that. He shakes us up. He puts us through judgment so that we get to the place where we realize what matters most. On account of your unclean lewdness, because I would have cleansed you and you were not cleansed from your uncleanness, you shall not be cleansed anymore till I have satisfied my fury upon you. There comes to be a point where God says, no, no more, no more mercy here until my, my fury is satisfied on this wicked and rebellious generation. Is this where we are? Do things really have to be this way? 
well, it can get to that place. Are we there as America? Are we at the point of no return? Again, it, the question goes back to individuals. What are you going to do about sin? Are, are, it's the church's fault at large, by the way. Peter says judgment begins in the house of God. Verse 14, I am the Lord. I've spoken. It shall come to pass. I will do it. I will not go back. I will not spare. I will not relent. According to your ways and your deeds, you will be judged, declares the Lord God. So how about it, dear listener? Who knows if God will spare us if there's a true national repentance? Have we got the same got to the same point as Israel in their days of judgment? Is there no longer hope or help that God will turn like he did towards Nineveh and towards other times in history? We should act as though there is hope. We should personally repent. You should stop pointing the finger at everyone else and pointing the finger at yourself. James tells us that God rejoices in mercy over judgment. If God can have mercy on us and still take care of the problem, that's his disposition. That's what he wants. And that is where repentance and faith in Christ comes. If America is going to be changed, it's going to start with us. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com. Introduce yourself to me. We, let's set up a time to meet together. Check out our social media, Facebook, Gab, Gab TV, YouTube. Like and follow us. Tell your friends about our social media and tell your friends about this broadcast. But above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. Special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.